This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. So a few months ago, as we were approaching summer, I really began to process, hey, you're turning 50 this summer. And as I did that, I, I thought about, okay, what do I think now that's different than what I thought 20 or 30 years ago? And what do I wish I knew then that I know now? And so I came up with this idea of just sharing some thoughts uh, founded in Scripture, but some things that, man, I wish someone had told me 20 or 30 years ago what I want to share with you. Because it not only would have saved me a lot of pain and grief in life, but it would have elevated my life and those that I love even faster. I think the first thing that I would share is apart from God, the only thing that is certain in this world is uncertainty. Life changes day by day, and we live life almost on, it's like living life on train tracks. And good things are happening while bad things are happening. There are rarely moments in life that are all good or all bad. There are always things that could be better, and there are certainly always things that could be worse. So our greatest days and our worst days often share the same address. I remember it was in 2016, it was uh, in May, and our son Nate was gonna be graduating from high school. So my parents were flying in from Texas for the graduation, and before we were going that afternoon to pick them up at the airport, we had a doctor's appointment for Angie. Um, she'd been having some health issues, and uh, they were doing tests, and initially they thought she may have MS, but that neurologist wanted to do some tests because he, he said, I, I don't think that's what it is. And so we were going to find out the results of the test. And I remember uh, there were a lot of questions, but I don't know how you process things like that. But for me, I just, man, why worry about it? Because we don't know yet. And it was there, but I tried to just push it down, not think about it. We went to the doctor's office. And I'll never forget, we went in the room for the appointment, sat down, and Angie was sitting there, and I was sitting in the chair in the corner. And the doctor came in, and he sat on a table across the room, and he said, well, you have a tumor on your brain. And I don't remember. I don't remember that moment. He quickly followed it up with, it's not cancer. But because of where it's located, that's what's creating a lot of the symptoms that you're having. Angie told me when he said that, and I don't remember this, but she said when he said that, I shot up out of the chair I was sitting in, and I, I do remember across the room there was a map on the wall that they have in doctor's offices, of a map of the human body. And sometimes it's fascinating, and sometimes it's weird, depending on what the map is. And I remember that map. I remember it being kind of blurry and then getting clear. And I remember looking at the map and saying, wait, what, 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 what are you? Okay, she has what, what is this? And I remember looking on the map, trying to figure out where the tumor was. So somehow, maybe if I knew where it was, I could do something about it. But I couldn't. 
we left the doctor's office and there were more tests they wanted to do. And I, I knew this was going to set up a series of tests and there were a lot of unknowns. And um, he, he told us what they thought the size was at that point, which didn't mean a lot to me because we don't use the metric system in the United States. So I had to look that up to figure out, okay, how big is that? What does this mean? Um, and I remember we drove straight from that appointment to the airport to pick up my parents. And then they were visiting a few days. We rolled through the graduation. And so what was an exciting time for our son, his graduation from high school, thinking about the future and launching into that next phase of life, at the same time, the most devastating news I'd ever heard medically. And of, of course it could have been worse. And some of you have dealt with so much worse. And you're hearing that story and you're thinking, man, my story beats your story. But my story is my story. And it was traumatic because I didn't know what it meant. And I knew all of the symptoms my bride was having. And so you're wondering, okay, how quickly would get this get worse? And I, I remember going to the next step to the, the a different neurologist that handled these kinds of things and him talking about, hey, uh, here's what we need to do. Or you're going to be rolling her in in a wheelchair to see me. And um, that was in 2016. And God has been very, very good to us. But one of the things that um, I've learned and I'm learning is control is an illusion that breeds confusion. We don't really control very much in life. We really don't. In fact, a lot of life is, is, is responding to what's happening to us. And if you think about it, we're, we're coming out of, hopefully coming out of a pandemic, a global pandemic, where everything went wheels off in March. And, and in many ways, our world stopped. And some of you are still living the domino effect of that stop. But this isn't the first time that's happened. I remember back Y2K when it was the, the turn of the century and all the talk was, hey, computers are going to crash and all the, you know, we bank uh, online and it's digital, all that. You might lose your money. I mean, I, I remember the, the stress leading up to Y2K and it was a big nothing. Or, or every election, we're in an election season and every four years we hear the same thing. This is the most important election of our lifetime. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. But we hear it every four years. And there's not a lot we can control. Right now, if you have kids or if you're a student, some of you are back in the classroom, some of you are in school online. There's so little that we really control. So uh, apart from God, the only thing that's certain in this world is that there will be uncertainty. And so for me, I have found comfort in Isaiah chapter 41 in the scriptures, which says, don't panic. God is saying, don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. And man, I, I'm grateful that our God is a God that while life is sometimes out of control, he ultimately is always in control apart from God. The only thing that's certain in this world is that there will be uncertainty. So if you're walking through some uncertain moments, don't panic. God says he's with you. There's no need to fear. If you're a Christ follower, he's your God. He'll give you strength. He'll help you. He'll hold, your, hold you steady and he'll keep a firm grip on you. 
Another thing that I would share is I think about 50 years. Um, if you want to have a great life, don't chase your dream. Chase your purpose. We live in a culture of the American dream, and I'm, I'm a believer. Like, I, I, I love this nation. Um, I believe we are blessed to live in this nation. But one of the things I've noticed is there's, there's this push in culture, chase your dream, follow your dream. The only problem with that is our dreams change. When I was a little guy, I wanted to, my dream was to be Earl Campbell and play in the NFL. And he was such an incredible running back. And then I got a little bit older and my dream was uh, to be a dentist. I wanted to be a dentist. And, and then you get older, you, you roll through different seasons. The dreams I had when I was 18 years old were different when I was 38. And now at 50, they're different. And so a lot of times when we chase our dreams, one of the problems is we get what we're chasing only to discover it doesn't fulfill us. It doesn't, it doesn't fill that, that emptiness inside. It's not satisfying ultimately. So I think we need to step back and chase our purpose because if you chase your purpose, your dreams will come along for the ride. Purpose is exactly what you were created for. How you're wired from the beginning, the, the way God wired you specifically. He has a specific purpose for your life. Some would call it a calling, but the, the reason you're here, it, it's your why. If you've ever asked that question, why am I here? Purpose is the answer to the question. I, I remember years ago, before we ever moved to Orlando, before God ever put the vision for C3 inside me, a church in the area where I grew up in Beaumont, Texas, a, a church there, uh, was without a pastor. And I wanted to be the pastor of that church. I sent my resume and I was praying. And I was convinced, we were living in North Carolina at the time, and I was convinced, man, if, if we could go back to Beaumont, I have so many friends there. I grew up there, played football in high school with friends. There's some great people there. Man, we can make a difference. And it was a dream. But it wasn't my purpose. If we always get the dreams we chase, we'll miss our purpose. See, God's purpose for me wasn't that, it was this. And had I gotten that, I would have missed this. And I would have missed uh, you if I have the privilege of knowing you. If you're watching and I've never met you, man, I can't wait until I get to meet you. But dreams are about chasing success and how culture defines success. Purpose, that's about chasing significance. And you can have a successful life without having a significant life. But if you have a significant life, you'll have a successful life. That dream that I had to move back to Texas would have caused me to miss this. And this, this, apart from my bride and my family, is the joy of my life. I can't imagine having missed this and getting to be a part of what God's doing through C3 in Orlando. I think of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Scripture says, Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Don't chase your dreams. Chase your purpose. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to Him. When I think about life, today I'm sharing some things that I'm, I'm learning about life. Another thing that I'm, I'm learning is you can't blame your way to a better life. We live in a culture 
where everything is everybody else's fault. It is extremely rare to see people take responsibility for their own lives. And one of the things that I get to do as a pastor is I get a front row seat to people's lives, often some of the most uh, private moments of life that families walk through, that couples walk through, that parents walk through, that individuals walk through. I'm invited in to either pray for or or share some thoughts or try to try to give um, some insight. And often I don't have the answers. But part of what I get a front row seat to is pain. All kinds of pain. And I don't know about you, but the greatest pains that I've had to walk through in my own life, I created. Often the pain we walk through, it's simply the consequence of unwise choices or maybe even the unexpected that we didn't initiate. It's not our fault, but it's it's how we respond to it sometimes that sends life in a direction that creates more pain. And I've noticed how differently different people process pain. Everybody knows, you know, I know somebody that went through a painful event. And when that happened, they kept breathing, but they stopped living. The rest of their life was never the same. Do you know anybody that's ever gone through something overwhelmingly difficult and they got stuck there? And then there are others. There are others. To to me, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing that speaks more to the fact that there is a God than someone who walks through pain and they keep smiling. They keep trusting. They hold on to faith. Their prayer life goes deeper. They seek God on a deeper level. They feel His presence moment by moment through the pain they're walking through. And it's not that the pain evaporates, but they're able to stay connected with God and it goes deeper and their faith increases. And because of that, the peace that Jesus says in the scripture that he'll give us, they they feel that peace that is beyond anything we could humanly understand. So what that means is if you're walking through pain right now, and some of the greatest pain, sometimes it's felt an overwhelming guilt or shame is the pain that we create in our own lives. And if that's you, you won't blame your way to a better life. But I also need you to know that even God understands you can't go back in time. I can't go back in time. So what you do with this moment matters far more than what you did in past moments. So how would it change if you took responsibility for your life? If you owned your choices, because if you don't, it will never get better. It's interesting that the word you, the word you, you, is found in Scripture in the English Standard Version 14,399 times. Because in Scripture, God communicates his plan for our lives, his desire for us. And it's all about you. It's about me. It's about you. Because it's not just a book of what happened in history. It's something where God is communicating through his love for us, the one that created us, the one that created life. Hey, here's my plan for you. Here's how much I love you. Here's what to do when you mess up. Here's what to do when you don't have all the answers. 
Here's how to make wise choices in your life. You. Why is that important? Because they, whoever you're blaming, they aren't going to help you. You help you when you own your own choices. You help you when you own the consequences of your life and you confront the reality of where you are and maybe the changes that you might need to make. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, so that each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. What if, what if we worry far more about ourselves than we do about what other people should change? And one day you'll give an account of yourself to God. One day I'll give an account of myself to God. And on that day, there won't be any blaming. There won't be any excuses. You can't blame your way to a better life. One of the most common questions I think people ask is, when you see the pain and suffering in the world, one of the most common questions is, how can there be a God with this much pain and suffering? I think think there's a better question. The question that I ask when I see pain and suffering is, how can there not be a God? The way some people suffer and struggle and what they have to walk through and they still grow personally, they still build their lives, they still heal and they smile after that kind of pain. How can there not be a God when you see the evidence of his presence in some people's lives? I think another thing that I'm learning still, even at 50, that I wish I'd wrap my mind around at 20 or 30 is that the only thing that will matter a hundred years from today is where I am and who's there with me. It won't matter what awards I may have received or what titles I wore or what people called me. It won't matter how much money was in the bank account or the square footage of my home or how fast my car would drive or I'd drive a truck, how much my truck would pull. None of that will matter. The only thing that will matter 100 years from now, 100 years from today, is where you are and who's there with you. Because life is eternal. This life, it's temporary. Paul was writing to the church in Colossae, and he wrote these words in Colossians chapter 4. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. He wrote these words, Be wise in the way you act toward those who are not believers making good use of every opportunity you have. Your speech should always be pleasant and interesting, and you should know how to give the right answer to everyone. It doesn't mean you know all the right answers. It means that you know what God is doing in your life. And you're engaging people that don't know God in such a way that you're not obnoxious and you're not putting them off. You don't want to be the reason somebody goes to hell. I don't want to be the reason somebody goes to hell. And a lot of people are living a kind of hell here on earth. And we want to be the kind of people. Hey, C3, we want to be the kind of church that brings hope to people, that builds people up, that the, the kind of church that builds a better life for people and shows people how to navigate life in a way that you experience God in a fresh way every single day. I was speaking at a church in Chase City, Virginia. That morning after the service, I went with the pastor of the church. They were having a funeral in the community for someone that had passed away. And so I decided to attend because I was in town and I'd spoken at the church that morning. And as we were walking through the cemetery for the graveside, I noticed something I'd never seen before. 
And this was over 20 years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And you've noticed this, and it's not profound, but for me, it was the first time I saw this, and it hit me this way. I noticed as we were walking to the gravesite where they were going to bury this young guy that had been killed in a car accident that week. He was on the way to propose to his, to his girlfriend, and he was killed in a car wreck in bad weather. As we got to where they were going to be burying him, I saw the tombstone. And, and if you've seen a tombstone, most of you, if not all of you have, you, you know, there's the date of birth and the, the date of death. There's the person's name and there's the caption or the phrase that the family picks out or maybe a verse that's comforting. But what says the most about the person's life on the tombstone is the little dash between the date of birth and the date of death. The little dash, the smallest thing on the tombstone represents the person's entire life. And that dash tells a story. If you knew that person, the dash reminds you of moments when you were together and you laughed, moments that were sad when you cried, maybe difficulty and conflict and arguments and restoration. That little dash represents everything about life. It tells the story. And in that dash, all that matters Ultimately, is was there a moment when that person became a follower of Christ? Because that tiny moment on the dash determines the rest of forever. Hey, the only thing that will matter 100 years from now is where you are and who's there with you. That's why when Jesus was asked the question, what's the big deal about life? He said, love God and love others. Just love God and love others. Make a difference. It's part of why at C3 we're all about connecting communities with Christ. I want every single person to know God in a personal way. I don't want people to become more religious. It was religion that killed Jesus. I don't want people to try to do better today than they did last year and somehow find that, that man, I'm just trying to make sure my good outweighs my bad. That doesn't cut it. For eternity, it's all about whether we have a personal relationship with Jesus. The last thing I would share today that I'm learning at 50 years old that I wish I'd begin processing and focusing on earlier. If I could go back in time to January the 4th, 1987, my junior year of high school, when I committed my life to Christ, I became a Christ follower that day. I'll never forget it. If I could go back in time the one thing that I would change the most is I would have let God be God sooner. See, I wanted God to be God of my forgiveness. I wanted God to be God of answering my prayers. I wanted God to be God of healing me if I got in trouble or getting me out of out of trouble. But I, I didn't crave knowing God the way I do now. If I could go back in time, I would have started sooner. A couple of things that would have made a tremendous impact in my life. I would have let God be God sooner in two very definitive ways. 440 Norville Avenue was the street I grew up on. That was, the, that was our address in Beaumont, Texas. My family built that house. We moved there when I was two years old. When I graduated from high school, they still lived there. When Angie and I got married, they still lived there. That was, that was my home. January the 4th, 1987, at church, the church we attended at the time, 
I committed my life to Christ. If I could go back to that moment, in fact, if you could see that house, my bedroom was the front bedroom in the house. And so from the street, you see the window of that bedroom and our next door neighbors, our next door neighbors loved cats. I think it's part of the reason I hate cats. And if if you love cats and you're upset with me, listen, take a deep breath. All dogs go to heaven. Cats don't. Next door, our next door neighbor at one point had 14 cats, 14 cats. Now, the reason you need to know that is my bedroom was that front bedroom and the flower bed outside the window of my front bedroom. That's where their cats went for their honeymoon. As a little kid, I remember always thinking there are babies crying in the street. Well, how come somebody doesn't go get the baby? It wasn't babies. It was gross. The cats would come to that flower bed right outside my window. But at that house, at that house, 440 normal. If I could go back, January 4th, 1987, I became a Christ follower. January 5th, there are a couple things I would have done more consistently. And to this day, what it would have done in my life, I would have, it would have helped me go further faster in my relationship with God. It would have also helped me go further faster in a healthy way in life and elevate my life and bless those that I love the most in a deeper way, in a bigger way, faster. If I'd have just done a couple of things more consistently, I would have let God be God sooner by spending more time with him every single day. By spending time with Him, just just reading a few verses in Scripture and spending time praying to God each day, cultivating that relationship. See, what we have is not, it's not a religion, it's not a list of rules, it's not trying to do good. What we have is a relationship with the Creator, a, a God who invites us to call Him Father. And just like in any other relationship, to be healthy and to grow and to become more connected, that relationship has to be cultivated. My bride, Angie, if we only talked once a week, what kind of relationship do you think we'd have? Relationships have to be cultivated. And if I could go back in time, I see the value now so much more than I did then. I would spend time every single day with God, reading his word, reading a few verses, uh, spending time praying and letting that relationship grow. The other area that I would have let God be God sooner. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seeking God and spending time with God daily. Seeking God is also trusting God. If I would have put God first financially sooner in my life, don't hit mute. Because it's important to understand what I'm about to say. Because I believe it can change your life. It's changed mine. In profound ways. When I look at how God has blessed us, when I look at what God has done in my life, in Angie's life, in our family, in our home, yes, financially, but the biggest blessings are beyond anything money could buy. When I look at what God has done and how it's connected to a faithfulness that that I developed late, I wish I would have developed earlier, of putting God first financially. Scripture calls it tithing. The first 10% belongs to God. Man, what could have happened sooner in my life? Maybe what has taken 20 or 30 years to cultivate and develop, maybe what's taken 20 or 30 years could have happened in 20 or 30 months if I would have trusted God in this area. Because the scripture says in Matthew chapter, I mean Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe. Tithe is just a mathematical term that means 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. The only time in all of scripture God says, test me, try me. I want you to prove me. Don't you want to know if God's real? Don't you want to know if this whole faith thing can actually be trusted? Here's the test. 
God says, do this. Bring the whole tithe, the 10%, to my storehouse, Old Testament term for church. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And one of the things I'm learning and have learned, and man, I wish I would have learned it earlier. I wish I would have taken a leap of faith into this earlier. Is I live far more blessed on 90% of my income with God's partnership tithing 10% to C3 than I ever lived on 100% of my own income without God's partnership. Now, if it was easy, everybody would do it. I understand what makes it hard is it takes a leap of faith. But isn't that what faith is? It's trusting. It's saying, okay, God, I take you at your word. I believe you. You're God. I'm not. I'm going to take a leap of faith here. It's something that can radically change your life. And all the years that I didn't do that, I missed out. I missed out on what God could have done. Oh, he blessed us, but how much more would that have happened? I missed out on what God could have done, and I missed out on what God wanted to do. I wonder in your life, if you're not spending time with God each day and cultivating that relationship, if you're not putting God first financially in your life, I wonder... What are the things that God wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, in your career during this pandemic? I wonder what it is that God can't wait to do. But your lack of faith is holding him back. See, the people that I love the most missed out also on what God could have done sooner and what God wanted to do in our lives. Because I wouldn't take a leap of faith. I crave cultivating the generosity in my life. It's broken the back of greed. Keeps your eyes off selfishness. And so these are just these are just five of the things that I'm learning about life. There are five more. And so one of the things we want to do in this series is we want to resource you day by day through this series. And so Monday through Friday, you're going to see information and you're going to hear about a daily devotional. And I'm going to share one thing a day, Monday through Friday. So you'll get 10 things this week, five today and one thing a day each day to really resource you uh, to live the life God created you to live. Because you, you matter to us. You matter to God and he loves you deeply. And maybe today. Maybe today you know that the greatest need in your life, when I talked about where you'll be 100 years from now, maybe today you know the greatest need in your life is you need to commit your life to Christ. Hey, could I pray with you? I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sin and make him your Lord. You say, man, I'm not even sure everything that's going to mean or what it's going to look like. I get that. But it's a step of faith where you say, God, I'm inviting you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want you to be my God. I'm not even sure everything it's going to look like, but as best I know how, I want to commit my life to you. I know that's what I need. And that simple step of faith sets you up to know God in a personal way. Could I pray with you? Let's pray together. If you'd like to pray that prayer, bow your heads, close your eyes, and just pray the simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I invite you to come into my life and be my Lord personally. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.